today on Real Life Radio. You and I are living in a very, very interesting time regarding nations, regarding cultures, regarding what's happening in the world. It's, it's not an accident that you're alive and breathing at this moment. It's not an accident that you're here right now or that you're tuning in right now. God knows exactly what he's doing. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. Hey, this is Jack Hibbs here, and I want to encourage you to get our brand new book, Living in the Days of Deception. This book is specifically written to help you and I navigate these very deceptive times. Here's a special offer. Yes, it is available wherever books are sold. However, right here at jackhibbs.com, if you order it here with us, you will get and only get right here four video teachings where I address certain aspects of the book with you personally. And so we look forward to you getting your own copy, Living in the Days of Deception, right here at jackhibbs.com. And you can get the four exclusive bonus teachings as well. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is available for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com slash days. That's D-A-Z-E, days. Once again, jackhibbs.com slash D-A-Z-E. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called Futures with a message titled Approaching. This series is a study in what the Bible has to say about heaven, about the future, and why all that matters in our lives today. You see, we're in the midst of the signs of the times as the stage is being set for Christ's return. But what are the indicators and the signs from the Bible that we really are nearing the end? Today, Pastor Jack teaches us that the word approaching paints a picture in our minds of a coming day and time. According to the Apostle Paul, the reality of Jesus coming soon was of the utmost importance, even the motivation of his ministry. Now, in his message called Approaching, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. The God of the Bible is the one and only who knows the future in advance. It's a great way of saying it, future in advance. The study of that in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is known as eschatology. Eschatology is God's doctrine given in the Bible that speaks about the future, future events of the Bible. And as you well know by now, 27%, some say 31% of the Bible is future in its nature. So over a quarter of your scriptures uh, speak about the future. And we're going to be looking at that today and specifically how it applies to our lives because we are living in the here and now, obviously. The fact that you and I are living in the 21st century has not escaped the God of the Bible and that what is coming up, no matter what that might be, God knows. And that brings us great, great comfort. We're looking at a message today titled Approaching. Approaching. What does that mean? And, and is, is such a theme or thought found in the Bible? And the answer to that is, oh, yes, it is. And we're going to be looking at that. But why is God's word prophetic? And what does it mean in our lives? Father, we pray this morning that as we open up your word, I pray, God, that you'd stop the clock. I pray that you'd open up our hearts. And, Father, that we would be students of your word. 
So God, we give you this time. We pray now in Jesus' name. And again, all God's people said, amen. amen. You can be seated. And as you are, church, the Bible uh, speaks to us and says of itself that it is powerful. The Bible says that of itself, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that the scriptures, the Bible has the ability to get inside of you and even divide up the very motive or the intent that is in your heart, so says the scriptures. God's word is given to us to give us light, to give us understanding. I always, I love saying this, by the way. It, it, it's, you know, we, we get impressed with New York best-selling books. The, the best-selling book, New York Times, and ooh, best-selling book. Do you know that every, they never report this actually, honestly, every year. The number one best-selling book of all time every year has been the Bible. Has been the Bible. It appears it's always going to be the Bible. And uh, why is that true? Because the Bible tells us in Psalms 107, and I love this passage, Psalm 107 verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them. Think of the power of God's word. And delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God sends forth his word and it brings healing. And maybe you need that today. We all need that in some way, shape or form. God's word is powerful. We're going to be looking at the power of God's word today, what it means to us in the time in which we're living. But if you step back with me 2000 years ago, you think about this for a moment. There's a man by the name of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He's a Roman-born citizen, but he's, he's Hebrew, he's, he's Jewish. And he's a man that, according to the Bible, was extremely zealous against Christianity. Uh, even to this day, Paul the Apostle, earlier known as Saul of Tarsus, Paul still to this day is the greatest known convert to Christianity that the world has ever known. He knew the Old Testament scriptures, uh, unlike anybody. And the Bible says that concerning the uh, righteousness which is by the law... He was blameless. That concerning the fact that he was of the right stock, he was born a Hebrew of the tribe of Benjamin, that he had been circumcised on the eighth day, and concerning his equals, he was considered to be perfect. But all of a sudden, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life was transformed. And that man went on to be the greatest voice for the cause of God's word. And what I love about Paul and you got to remember this, church, 2,000 years ago, when Paul preached the gospel, more specifically, when he came to, as he was heading to Europe, he came to that area uh, of Asia Minor, which is uh, down near uh, west uh, toward Thessalonica, one of the oldest cities in the world still to this day. And when Paul got there, nobody was uh, believers. There was no church. But he went there and there were synagogues and he was a man of, of the synagogue. And so he went to the synagogue and he opened up to them the scriptures for three weeks, the Bible tells us. Uh, by the way, he stayed there for three to four weeks. Check this out. He preached the gospel from the Old Testament. People were converted to what the Old Testament preached was that Messiah would come. And that when they began to believe, the Bible tells us a church was created, ecclesia, a gathering together. And from there, he moved on. Uh, but he taught them, church, mark this, he taught them two key doctrines. He was only there three to four weeks. 
Two key doctrines. One, your salvation is secure in Messiah. And number two is the fact that God knows everything. In fact, Christ is coming back. That's what he taught them. Your salvation secure. I love that. And oh, by the way, Christ is coming back. You put those two things together and you've got the ultimate motivation for the believer to go about this world and telling people about the hope that's available to them in Christ. That's all we need. We don't need a seminary. We don't need books. We don't need anything else. It's nice to have them if they're right. But we have the word of God. We have the message of God. And the Bible says we've got the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And so Paul did that and began to transform the world. And it all comes down to the fact that I'm I'm really, if you've been hanging out here for a few weeks, you're going to say, man, that guy quotes that verse like every week. And you're right, I do, because I'm really rubbing it in right now. And that is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, church, listen. And let us consider one another in order to stir. The word in Greek is stimulate, provoke, challenge, to stir up love and good works. Keep your finger there. As believers, we are to be interfacing with one another to do two things in our lives. We are to stir each other up to love. You know, love is a verb. Love does stuff. Love's a verb. We're to love. That means we are to love one another. And we're to love those around us. That means you love those who sat in your seat today. How'd they get your seat? You're going to love them. You're not going to ask them about that or tell them that's my seat. That's not your seat, by the way. That you, didn't know, you didn't buy that seat. That's not your seat. Oh, no, that's my parking spot. Not your parking spot. Because we're going to stir one another up to love. We're going to yield our seat to them. And we're going to yield our parking spot to them. And why? Because we are to love. That's what we're to be doing. As a church, we are to love. And then the Bible tells us that we are to stir up these good works, meaning that our activity is this. We need to get together. Listen, I'm going somewhere with this. Know one another enough to say, hey, you know what? We're fellow believers. We go to the same church. Let's go, let's go shake the world up for God. Let's go do something. Let's go do something. Let's go park. Let's go to the hospital and just stand out there and pray for people. Let's go to the local uh, abortion clinic and pray outside and pray, pray for hope, pray for salvation. Let's go to somebody that's shut in. Let's paint somebody's fence or let's take somebody's trash out. And listen, the early Roman Empire said, Caesar even confessed, these Christians, they love one another. But that's not all that that passage says. It says that we are to, verse 25, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That means we are supposed to be doing church. But listen, he says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as, listen, the manner of some have done. That's sad. They've given up on assembling. But the Bible tells us, but exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 21st century, right here, right now, the Bible commands us, whatever you do, you need to stir each other up to love, do good things, good deeds, blessing other people, and oh, by the way, as a church, never stop meeting. Never stop meeting. But, but, but Paul didn't know about COVID. Never stop meeting. <laughs> World War I, never stop meeting. World War II, never stop meeting. Listen, World War III, we don't know where it's going to happen, where it's going to don't stop meeting. Listen, the church all around the world meets every Sunday. You pastor, but the health department. Listen, God knows about the health department. You must understand something. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together. And there's no little, read the fine print. 
Why? Because more than ever, the, the world around us needs the love and the activity of the church. We are not a company. We're not a corporation. We are the church of the living God, and that's what we are to do. We are to love and express that love to everyone we meet. Why? Why? What's the big motive? Because the motive, listen, we understand clearly from Scripture, Christ Jesus could come back at any time. The imminent doctrine of Christ is that he comes back for the church, and it could happen at any time. That's a tremendous statement. How many of you have been to Maui? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever driven, listen, right, right off of the uh, main boulevard, when you go downtown to Lahaina, you've got to go past this church. And I've never been to this church. I've only looked at it and loved their sign. When we say Jesus is coming back, apparently this church is so hot on that doctrine that they, they, don't, even, they don't even lengthen the statement, Jesus is coming. They just say, Jesus, coming soon. Have you ever seen that? Coming soon. You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack. Listen, you say, I don't understand this, Pastor. How does this equate to my life? Listen, because Jesus Christ is coming soon. In fact, there's another picture of this, I think, somewhere. Did we already show that one? Um, we saw the, the two of them. Um, I just want to make sure you've got the front and the back. They got it coming and going. And as believers, that's how we're supposed to be. Everything that about our lives, we are to live. Yeah, do we, go, do we go to college or do we become doctors or do we become engineers or do we raise up a family? Yes, yes, we occupy till the Lord comes. But the fact of the matter is we want to tell as many people about Jesus Christ as possible because he's coming back. And even if he doesn't come back in the next few hours, you and I could see him. You never know when you're going to choke on that breakfast burrito or... Our, our trip over a, a banana peel. You need to be ready to meet the Lord. And so Paul the Apostle encouraged the church, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. In other words, God called you out of this world. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Paul lived godly and he preached a godly message. Verse 8, same chapter says, for you or from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. I love that. That's true about you guys too, by the way. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out. What an active church they were, Thessalonians. And listen, they were Gentiles. Paul was a Jew, and he came and he preached and ignited that Gentile city, that pagan Gentile city. Verse 10, same chapter. We are to wait and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Bible students, you should mark the word wrath. Don't misinterpret this verse. The word wrath, the wrath, is specific. A definite article, the wrath. There is a wrath coming, according to the Bible. It's found in the Old and New Testament alike. And they all, all passages and statements agree on this, that the wrath is the wrath of Almighty God. This has nothing to do with hell. 
You say, well, I read that verse. Yeah, sure. Jesus delivered us from hell. He certainly did that, but that's not what the verse means. It means that there's a day coming when this world will be punished for its unbelief against God. And that time is well defined in scripture. The Bible here tells us that for those who are trusting Christ, there's an urgency within us to be waiting for the return of Christ. And it's exciting for us because the Bible tells us he's going to deliver us from the wrath that is going to be poured out upon this world. That age, it's known as the seven-year tribulation period or what is known as the 70th week of Daniel, chapter 9, book of Daniel. And it's a time when God announces, I now specifically deal with Israel, my people, to bring them back into their land and to pour out my spirit upon them, he says, while I pour out my wrath upon the earth. Remarkable. A time that you'll see by the end of this message is different than the church age. And so church, as we look at this, get ready to take some notes. Are you ready? No, you're not. Believe me. We have so many verses and we're going to go so fast. Up until now, I've gone slow with you for these last 30 years. We're going to go fast right now. Regarding approaching and the theme of that, number one, mark it down. Approaching, notice, is the times of the signs. There's quiet in here because you think I spelled that wrong. Normally it said, well, are we living in the signs, uh, the, the signs of the times? Yeah, but what I would like to say to you is we're living in the times of the signs. In other words, there are things happening on the world scene right now in this 21st century that have never happened before, but they had to happen biblically, and those passages of Scripture have been waiting for us to meet up with them for millennia. You and I are living in a very, very interesting time regarding nations, regarding cultures, regarding what's happening in the world. It's, it's not an accident that you're alive and breathing at this moment. It's not an accident that you're here right now or that you're tuning in right now. God knows exactly what he's doing. But I'm going to suggest to you today that we're living the times of signs. Now, look, we are not sensationalist, meaning, oh, that's a Bible prophecy, and oh, that's a Bible prophecy, and look, that's a Bible prophecy. No, we're not doing that. That's hyper. That's strange. But on the other side, we're not deniers either. We're not saying, oh, God's prophetic word is not prophetic at all. It's just simply allegorical. Oh, no, it's not. No, you know what? We are, how about this? We're stage setters. (laughs) We are watching the world scene be set up in such a way that it's got to get our attention. And again, from Genesis to Revelation, God's word is spoken favorably toward all those who are watching and waiting through the word of God in their daily life. Every single one of them. It's remarkable. So as we look around at the world scene, we, we consider about the signs of the times and the times of the signs We see a stage set and there's props being put up. There's placards being put in place. Lighting is being moved in. There there are players, national players. There are are, uh, key trends and decisions being made in the world today. The movement toward a world uh, government. The movement toward a world uh, health program. The talk right now of an international, global a reset regarding vaccinations or economies, all being talked about. These are the opening throws. We're living in amazing days. Now listen to this. You might say today, I don't need to know this stuff. Be careful. It's in the Bible. 27 to 31% of it's in here for a reason. 
Number one, listen, Matthew chapter 24, verse one, Matthew 24, verse one, the Bible says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He had been teaching there earlier, if you read the previous chapters, and his disciples came up to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Church, that's it. If you're Jewish and you're the disciples and you're standing there looking at one of the wonders of the world and they're, they're saying, Jesus, isn't it amazing? This is where we meet God. And Jesus says, take a good look because it's all going to come down. Now, they didn't like what he said. But in the year 70 AD, under General Titus, it all came down. Not one stone was left upon another. Verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, or asking three questions. Tell us, when will these things be? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming? And three, of the end of the world, or the end of the age. And Jesus said to them, now you listen to this. Jesus said to them, indicators, signs. Uh, listen, I have an awesome antique barometer at home. It's beautiful. It's from the late 1800s. It's spectacular. And it works perfectly. All the weather that we've been having lately, can you believe we had weather? In California, it rained. We saw clouds. What are those things? And then it rained. And then in some areas, it snowed down to 1,000 feet. We had lightning and thunder. My mom used to tell me growing up, because she was born and raised in Hawaii, and she, this is what they were told, that's what told her, is that when you see lightning, that's the scoreboard of heaven. And thunders, the angels bowling. Look, I don't think there's bowling in heaven, our scoreboards, but when I saw that, those big flashes of light, I thought, man, that's, that's amazing. And I remembered my mom's voice. Well, listen, the fact of the matter is when the Bible tells us that these things are coming, there's indicators. The storm came. The barometer dropped dramatically. We knew something was up because the barometer fell so greatly before there was ever a cloud in the sky. Indicators. And you keep that in mind right now, because listen, in verse four of Matthew 24, Jesus said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am Messiah or Christ and will deceive many. Jesus said, here's an indicator. And by the way, if you're not a believer, listen up. This is awesome. Jesus said, as you get deeper into the end time events, these are some of the things that you'll see. These are some of the things that will indicate the times of the signs or the signs of the times. It's the fact that there'll be great deceivers in a religious or spiritual context pulling people away, not only from the word of God, but there will be false messiahs that will rise up. Jesus said that, church, 2,000 years ago. Remarkable. Next, verse 6, chapter 24, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wars and rumors of wars. Constantly growing. Verse 7. He says, For nation will rise against nation. Those of you who are Bible students, you should mark this right now. The word nation is the word uh, ethnos in Greek. Jesus said, Ethnos will rise up against, warring against ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity or ethnic groups. Jesus said one of the indicators of the last days is that ethnicities will divide from one another and they will war against each other. You know what? Not only is that happening, but the world that you and I live in, 
it's stoking the flames of that. It's, it's as though we are hell-bent on a course to destroy ourselves as a culture. And of course we are. A culture without God is a destructive culture. But it's amazing to me that the news media, the print media, radio, songs, movies, stoking the angst that whites should hate blacks, blacks should hate Hispanics, reds versus fill in the blank. Remarkable. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called Approaching. So glad you could be here today. You know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's series called Futures. It's a series on prophetic scripture and what those scriptures mean for us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. You know, in our desire to pursue God, we often find ourselves wondering how to do it in this fast-paced world. Well, I think our current featured resource is really going to help. It's called The Pursuit of God, a beloved classic by the late pastor and evangelist A.W. Tozer. The Pursuit of God is the fruit of Tozer's spiritual exploration into the essence of God's nature, and it'll help you on your own journey towards God. With well over a million copies sold, recapture the radiant wonder that comes from having faith in Christ and a desire for God above all. The Pursuit of God is a must-read if you want the power and blessing that comes from seeking God at the highest possible level of fulfillment. The Pursuit of God is a book that I have to read at least once, sometimes twice a year. It is so good, and you'll love it. The Pursuit of God is available for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.